Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. the Victim Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who have experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week, we are talking about healthy relationships during COVID-19. My name is Emily Mitchell, and I am the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center. With me today, I have Jamal Baskin. Jamal works at Harbor House of Central Florida as their prevention coordinator. He teaches youth and trains parents on knowledge of prevention of domestic violence and serves the community through mentoring and community service programs. Jamal is a recent UCF graduate earning his master's in public administration. Jamal, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I also have with me Catherine Ross. Catherine works as a sex educator with Planned Parenthood. She teaches subjects such as birth control, safer sex, pregnancy, healthy relationships, and more. Every day she gives back to the little girl in her by giving youth the knowledge they need to make informed decisions. On her downtime, she is a spoken word poet, UCF student, and animal lover. Thank you, Catherine, for also being here today. Oh, thanks, Emily, so much for having me. So as a brief introduction, um, stay-at-home orders and social distancing are still set in place and have impacted relationships through communicating more online or living in close proximity and having boundaries tested. What we are looking to explore in this episode is how has COVID-19 impacted relationships and how can we keep them healthy? With that in mind, Jamal, I was hoping to ask you, can you tell me a little bit about Harbor House and what your role is there? Sure. So at Harbor House, well, Harbor House in Central Florida is Orange County Certified Domestic Violence Organization. We work to prevent and eliminate domestic abuse in Central Florida through outreach services, prevention programs, legal advocacy, and safe shelter for thousands of domestic violence survivors and their children everywhere. I am the prevention coordinator, so mostly my job is to educate youth uh, with knowledge of domestic violence and teen nation violence and prevention of that issue. Awesome. Thank you so much. And so do you work mostly with adults or children? So mostly I work with teens, but um, I do have times where I am doing trainings with adults or I have sessions where I do uh, adults and youth. So um, it can go either way, however they need my services. I'm there to help and support. Perfect. And Catherine, I was hoping if I could also ask you if you could tell me a little bit about Planned Parenthood and what your role is there. Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, So Planned Parenthood is a health center um, and we specialize in sexual and reproductive health. So some of the services that we offer are vasectomies, birth control, STD testing and treatment, physical exams, pap smears. We always have um, free condoms in our in our lobby um, and we offer abortion care as well. One of our other services that is not really known about or acknowledged so much is our sex education. And that brings me to my role. 
Um, I am, my full title is uh, Outreach Coordinator and Community Liaison. Um, I typically say sex educator for short. But as part of that long title, some of the things that I do are connect with members of the community and find out different resources and try to connect people together where it makes sense. Um, I work a lot with um, Jamal when it comes to um, educating youth. And um, in the bio, you kind of uh, touched on some of the subjects that I teach, which are birth control, healthy relationships. Um, I talk about STIs and testing and um, really everything under the sun that revolves around sex education. I will do my resource, my research and try to um, help as best as possible. I've had people um come to me and say, hey, like, there's some um, youth that are, like, masturbating compulsively. And I'm like, oh, it's not an issue for the therapist. Um, <laughs> but they're like, oh, they don't really know how to address it. So I'm like, okay, let me find a way to creatively do this where I'm not, like, targeting mm -hmm. a certain person. But I'm still addressing, like, you know, the, the benefits, but also, like, when does this become compulsive and unhealthy? So, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that, both of you. I really appreciate it. Speaking of healthy, Jamal, um, what do you consider a healthy relationship? So I consider a healthy relationship to consist of these different things, and that's mutual respect, trust, honesty, compromise, good communication with each other, um, having a sense of individuality. I think that is really important. Um, a lot of people don't, I guess, understand that it is okay to have your alone time, especially during this time at the stay-at-home order. It is very important to try to find some alone time because being together 24 hours a day isn't really positive or healthy at all. I also think anger, anger control is um, consists of a healthy relationship, fighting fair, um, I might me and my fiance, um, we do get into arguments at times, but what, when we do those, we know not to try to hit below the belt. You know, you see in a lot of relationships, a lot of people are just in general, a lot of people try to hit at the core of, you know, um, trying to hurt someone, especially if it's in an argument. And fighting fair is just a different way of, you know, not trying to go too deep, but also getting your feelings out and how you feel um, in that um, situation. Problem solving, understanding, and then self-confidence is one of my big ones in um, healthy relationships. Absolutely. And I totally agree about that, uh, finding alone time, especially mm -hmm. during uh, the pandemic. So thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. That's really important. Catherine, I wanted to check with you. Um, the same question, basically, what you consider a healthy relationship, maybe adding some to what Jamal said or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, I'll definitely piggyback off of what he said. Um, I think it's important to have a commitment not only to grow together, but to grow individually um, before someone even goes into a relationship. I think it's important that they get to know themselves and um, how they are and what they're looking for. What are some deal breakers, things that they can put up with and things that they really can't put up with and aren't going to work well for them. Um, and then once they're in a relationship, I think there needs to be a commitment to um, continue growing as an individual and continue growing as a couple. Um, and then working through conflicts without, like Jamal said, um, hitting below the belt. Um, knowing that each of you have good intentions and, and having that trust is important. Also accountability. That's a big thing because when someone... Um, in that relationship calls you out and says like, hey, you did this and it hurt me or hey, you made this mistake. If someone cannot take ownership and um, make those steps or attempts to change and um, work towards a future, if they're unable to acknowledge, hey, I did something wrong, 
um, that is a setup for failure um, because you don't come into a relationship perfect and you definitely don't leave the same. So um, you have to be able to just, hey, like, hey, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Um, And be able to be vulnerable in that. Like, know that um, saying you're sorry or admitting a wrong is not a weakness, that it's a strength. And being able to respect that in your partner as well. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's great. Those are perfect. Thank you so much. I can see why you both work really well together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, So I wanted to kind of shift a little bit here uh, with you, Jamal. Um, What are some changes that Harbor House has had to make in order to align with social distancing orders? Yeah, so we definitely made some significant changes because we know this is a difficult time that we're all going through. And we want to ensure that all survivors, staff, and volunteers are safe and protected during this time. So we work closely with the CDC to ensure that, uh, well, to make sure that that our facility is sanitated. I remember um, weeks before they made the stay-at-home order where um, they was installing so many different um, hand um, sanitizer little things inside our offices and different things like that, taking those many precautions. We also um, make sure if someone is sick inside the shelter, uh, we ask them to go to the doctor. We're also um, making sure that everyone is social, social distancing inside the shelter. That is a huge thing because, as you know, we have um, different people coming and going, and we want to make sure that everybody is safe and to make sure that they are practicing those orders. Um, There is one room, an entire family, which um, for the entire family, so they have that living space. So um, they have their space just in case, um, well, to follow those social distancing um, orders. Um, there's also quarantine rooms that we have um, in order to make all precautions. And um, also our outreach uh, and support groups are now um, virtual and by phone. So our survivors have the opportunity to reach out to them and families can still get that support they need virtually um, with those support groups via our outreach services. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, seems like there's like a lot of challenges, but it sounds like Harbor House is doing a lot to keep make sure that everyone's safe. Um, and I'm really glad that, you know, the essential services uh, like Harbor House are still open. You know, kind of related to that, what are what were the statistics before and after the stay at home orders? So um, our numbers before the stay at home numbers were running consistent from year to year. There is, um, this is our, basically our Christ line. So uh, we have our courthouse and our um, outreach and our shelter numbers. And um, there has been a slight uptick in each of those areas where we fully anticipated, especially with this uh, stay at home order. What has changed, basically um, we having our victims that are um, able to reach out to Harbor House for help. So they want to know what they need to prepare and bring with them when they are, um, when they leave, once they are, um, once the stay at home orders are lifted. In many cases, they can have to stay at, uh, to start a conversation and then hang up because they're here, because they hear like, you know, their abuse or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've also been hearing a lot that maybe there's an increase in calls to the domestic violence hotline. Is mm-hmm. that is that the case for Harbor House as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I know for sure, well, I don't work in hotline personally. However, right. I know that um, there has been an uptick. Um, even our CEO has been, you know, on the news recently talking about these things, you know, saying that we're still open and still here for survivors. You know, we're not going to, we haven't closed or, you know, done any, I mean, we have taken our precautions, but we haven't closed at all to ensure that our, you know, survivors have the help that they need. So the numbers has been going up, um, I guess we don't have a solid number on what it is, but I know that information will be coming out shortly um, as we usually do get our data. 
So um, that will definitely we will, we will be able to be able to show you know the uptick in I guess from from the end of May March until now you know how has you know um, the hotline has been you know busier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, again, it's so important to know that Harbor House is still open. I'm still helping, you know, survivors. So thank you so much. Um, Catherine, I also wanted to ask from your uh, side as well, what are some changes that Planned Parenthood has had to incorporate since COVID-19 stay-at-home orders? Right. Well, before I go into that, I just want to kind of touch on um, like what what you were talking about a little bit before with Jamal, because it's just... um, I don't know. It's just such um, a sad and, and critical point for a lot of survivors and um, victims of domestic violence because, you know, whereas before at least maybe they had an escape of like going to a church or maybe getting outside, getting some fresh air, you know, now they're locked at home with their um, uh, the perpetrator of the domestic violence. So, um, it's so amazing that, you know, Harbor House and Safe House and Help Now and all these different um, shelters are there and, and working, you know, overtime and shifting their roles. I know Jamal has been like a little bit more um, in um, the shelter and like helping mm-hmm. on the front lines. And Planned Parenthood has been doing similar things. Like we we all, I think, are having to like shift a little bit and just like help out where um, we're most critically needed. And I, and I also want to touch on the fact that Uh, Planned Parenthood has a what's called a justice fund, and it's accessible for um, anyone who is considered homeless. And so survivors at shelters would um, qualify. Um, And it's a fund of money that um, they can use for different services at Planned Parenthood. Um, So just keeping that in mind for people. Um, And then with Planned Parenthood, we've made a huge shift in terms of less people are working actually at the health centers, um, just to kind of keep in line with the uh, social distancing orders. So more people are working um, from home and doing what we call telehealth. Um, As an educator, all of my education is now virtual. We are kind of deciding between like whether Blue Jeans or Zoom or Google Classrooms is the best um, method and medium to uh, reach our community and what is the most accessible way to get to people. Because especially with education, what I'm seeing is a lot of isolation. And even if I'm not there for like a uh, health or health education support, I want to at least be there for like a mental health support. And so when it comes to our telehealth and in-clinic, I don't work there, so my my knowledge is a little bit limited, but um, what we're seeing is if it is um, an essential, um, very, very essential service like an abortion or a pap smear or um, some type of screening like that, um, people are able to come to the health center. But if it's something like um, an STD test or um, treatment, we might have um, just, we might kind of assess them over the phone and then send them out a prescription so they don't necessarily have to come to the health center and, you know, be at risk anymore than, you know, they would have to. When it comes to our development team and fundraising, we had a big fundraising event that was planned um, in April. It's Rosé for Reproductive Rights and um, huge thing. Um, And so that had to get canceled and now that's online. Yeah, we're just we're just trying our best, but for the most part, we're limiting um, the amount of people that are in the health center and um, educators like myself. Our role is shifting a little bit. We're doing some education, but we're also um, trying to help out and do um, education when like if there's a client that calls in, we might take that call and, and give them um, resources or education around um, either, you know, their STD treatment or abortion or whatever they're dealing with at the time, we're kind of like shifting in that way. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, um, the VSE is pretty similar to both where, you know, we're still open. We're just perhaps limiting the amount of people coming in or staggering. We do a lot of telehealth as well. And yes, we also had our fundraising event in April canceled, obviously, uh, Cheers for Mm -hmm. Change as well. So there's a lot of uh, challenges that I think, these organizations are facing, but it sounds like 
both Planned Parenthood and Harbor House, as well as the VSEers, you know, remaining open and helping people, which is really important. So that's that's amazing. So thank you both for all that you do. I know that you're probably taking a lot on a lot more than you used to. So I really appreciate you both. I wanted to shift gears here a little bit about, um, you know, signs of abuse. So Jamal, how might signs of abuse or intimate partner violence look different during the stay at home order? Yeah, so we know abuse or intimate partner violence looks a lot different since the stay-at-home order. We have to understand that survivors are now stuck at home, you know, with their abuser. That could possibly be unemployed due to COVID, could be going through the unemployment process, all those different things cause stress and cause anxiety on people and could make it a lot worse in those situations. You know, there's more stress as a result of unemployment or furlough. And money is, you know, it's tight, you know, these days, especially, um, and that is a major stressor. So for any relationship and any abusive household, that will increase more violence at home. Mm-hmm. The violence already exists at home, in the home, it is elevated now, more constant today. So we must, you know, be aware of those things and, you know, try to educate ourselves with signs of how to prevent or how to get help. And which is why I'm thankful that, you know, Harbor House is still open during these times to be able to assist in those, um, in those loopholes. Thanks for shedding some light on that. Catherine, what are some challenges that you have seen with the stay at home order? I know we went over a little bit. Um, Do you have any other challenges you want to highlight? Um, yeah, so, um, what I've seen from doing, um, education is just that there has been, um, less participation and, um, what I kind of attribute that to could be, um, people kind of just isolating. Cause I think that's more so like an unhealthy coping mechanism that people will go to when they're faced with, um, uncertainty or fear, um, and so that's kind of a concern for me at, at this point, because like, I want to be able to like connect to my community partners and connect to, um, youth that I serve and be able to, um, just like help them out and navigate during this time. Um, also there've been a lot of myths going around with youth in general. I don't know if you've seen this, but, um, it, like my education team and I kind of just like talk about, um, different things that come up in classes and try to like, um, address different concerns. And there, there have been a lot of myths about coronavirus, like uh, some people have heard in their counties from youth that if you have a lot of sex, then you won't get coronavirus. Uh, yeah. That's the first. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there have been some, some myths about coronavirus that are pretty dangerous because yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we'll get to like, you know, diff- like the safe sex practices during this time, but there have been some myths. And then with myths and combination with isolation, these myths grow and they multiply and um, it's just not safe. Um, so, um, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen that. The myths, uh, people isolating and just having like less participation, which um, in some of these facilities, like there's really not much to do. So they might just be in their room the whole day, day in, day out. And um, yeah. I haven't heard of these myths. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. And yeah, being isolated, it could be almost like an echo chamber of misinformation. Um, so yeah, those are definitely some challenges I could see. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, Jamal, I think we talked a little bit about this, but you know, what are some challenges that you have seen with the stay at home orders And I think we talked a little bit about this too, but if you want to add more on how does COVID-19 affect safety plans uh, Mm -hmm. set in place for victims of domestic violence? Definitely. So to start off, I'll start off with um, how COVID affects safety plans. And, you know, the most dangerous time is is for a victim is when they leave a violent or abusive relationship. The abuser loses all of the power and control and and basically they want to gain it back. So the challenge is, is that abusers are next to the victim all day, every day. So it makes it challenging and dangerous for them to leave. Only those who are in intimate danger have left with their children or for shelter. 
when our abuser have left uh, for you know a few minutes for to get food or different basic necessities. Um, as I previously said, you know there are brief conversations that our advocates have had with survivors when they call into the hotline to know what they need to gather is a positive sign. They know they need to lead are preparing themselves for when the order is lifted. Many victims are reaching out to us through the social media channels, which we provided quarantine safety tips there. Um, we also provided um, different information, such as you know, packing medicine bags with important things you need. Um, if you need to quickly leave or hide it in secure location, include, include cash, keys, passports, birth certificates, medical records, and immigration papers. Um, be aware of how to exit a room door and windows and try to avoid rooms with single entry, such as a closet in rooms with potential weapons like the kitchen or garage. Um, COVID-19 uh, has, you know, um, as an excuse to reach out to people you are usually isolated from. For example, I know my mom has toilet paper. Let me call her to ask where she got it from. So basically, um, abuse, uh, survivors could use that to try to get, you know, to try to um, let their abusers know that, you know, let me call my mom to see if she got toilet paper, you know, to try to, for them to try to, you know, have a sense to get away. Um, and it may or may not work, but those are some ways they could try to, you know, signal or uh, to make the abuser feel calm that they're not trying to seek help. Um, but the challenges I have seen basically during the stay at home order is it's, very, it's difficult for me to do my job. Uh, for me to go out into community centers and schools. Um, but I know I have been in the process of contacting those people I were in contact with, as in the directors of the community centers and the schools, to try to bridge that connection with the kids that um, I have been in contact with to see if that I could be able to give them, you know, any information during this time that can be, you know, red flags, tips, anything to kind of, you know, help them feel safe and secure um, during this time so that they can have the tips that they need to help them. Thank you so much for all that you do again, and also for sharing about that. I I love that idea that you can actually use this situation to an advantage as a survivor mm -hmm. in a creative way to tell yeah. their uh, abuser, hey, I'm reaching out to someone to get mm -hmm. supplies that we need, and then that being a way that they can um, escape. That's amazing. I never yeah. even would have thought of that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Catherine, uh, with social distancing, some people find themselves communicating on social media uh, much more often. What are some ways in which partners engage in unhealthy activities on social media? Um, I think right now what I'm seeing is um, people are, you know, cut off from um, community or maybe even misinterpreting the word. Um, social distancing. It's more of like a physical distancing. Mm -hmm. And even before this, what we've seen on social media is like people um, reaching out um, for help um, through social media, because unfortunately, it feels easier for them to kind of like vent or express like mental health concerns on a huge platform like that versus to like go to an individual or maybe they feel cut off from a certain trusted individual. So um, more, during this time, I think there's definitely more um, attention seeking through social media, um, maybe writing long paragraphs about um, what they're going through. And the problem with that is that they can't always get um, maybe the, um, the help that they would need through that avenue. Um, I think as well, um, there, there can be more of a pressure through social media now um, to send nudes or to send pictures or to like violate your, your boundaries, again, as an attempt to have like this false sense of connection. And um, it, it again is like, you know, filling a um, I guess a small void, but it's not really helping the full picture. So that's what we've seen. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that, yeah, I, I, I agree that it is more of a physical distancing. We, we keep saying social distancing. And actually, one of our survivors wrote a blog recently um, that, yeah, we should be naming it physical distancing because I feel like people are socializing maybe even more than they normally more, would have, yes. right? <laughs> That's what I've been seeing. Um, I also wanted to check in with you, Jamal. Um, what would you say to someone that is experiencing domestic violence while practicing the stay-at-home orders? Well, I would let them know that Harbor House is still open and always has been, um, and we are here for them. Um, our facility remains safe, even from the virus, and you can come in. Um, we work very closely with law enforcement, and they'll make sure to get you help uh, at Harbor House. And you're not alone, and you know we're still here and available for you at all times. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so, so much. Um, Catherine, I also wanted to check, uh, do you think people are practicing safe sex methods while under the stay-at-home orders? And what exactly is safe sex? And how can people maintain this at home during the pandemic? Um, so right now, I don't really have the statistics on that. But I think when people are um, living together or in committed relationships, the condom use um, typically does go down. Um, and as far as um, the New York Department of Health um, posted um, like an update on what safe sex looks like during the coronavirus. And um, what they what the updates are is that um, the coronavirus right now is definitely not considered um, a sexually transmitted infection. It's more of a respiratory disease. Mm -hmm. But um, what they've found is that it can be transmitted through um, saliva. So it's been found in saliva and it's also been found in um, fecal matter. So um, any transmission of those two things um, through sex um, could pose a risk of transmitting coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And then um, obviously people have heard about um, separating within like six feet. So um, right now what the, what the safest measure is, is if someone has already been living with someone, then, um, you know, as long as that person is not sick or under the weather, um, it's fine to engage in sex. But um, it really depends on um, the couple. Um, during this time, we've also seen kind of like a controversy about um, should people be getting pregnant? Should they not be getting pregnant? And Planned Parenthood is very firm about like respecting each person's choice. So um, if during this time someone is pregnancy planning and they uh, don't wish to use condoms or birth control, then just making sure that um, people have STD tests, which Planned Parenthood is still offering along with other community agencies, and um, having communication and um, consent with um, the different things that they're engaging in and, and what they're comfortable with during this time. Because again, people have different feelings that are up and down. So maybe, you know, today might be a good day where they feel comfortable engaging in sex and maybe the next day it might not be. Consent is not a continual thing. It, it varies and it needs to be asked for before, before, during, and needs to be talked about after sex as well. So yeah, I think safe sex, it, it can include condom use and, um, and birth control and definitely includes consent and communication and having healthy partners that respect boundaries. But for each couple, depending on what they want and what they're comfortable with during this time, it, it's a conversation for sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think um, I've been talking a little bit with people about how consent kind of, there's new conversations about consent when it comes to COVID-19 now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people might not be comfortable, you know, being a little closer or, you know, some people are really taking the six feet seriously and some aren't. And so, yeah, that's a great example of how consent should always be at the forefront of all of our relationships, especially our sexual ones too. So thank you so much. Can I add one more oh, thing? Of course. And that even made me think like if someone has, um, like for some people, both of them are working from home and, you know, they feel comfortable with that. For other people, you know, you might be someone in the front lines that's going out into the field every single day. And, you know, people are having to determine like, do they need to engage in long distance relationships because of this? Or do they need to sleep in separate rooms? Um, what does it look like? And I think it's important that people, you know, just not take offense and not take it personally. 
Um, I've definitely seen with some of my friends who are, you know, coupled with people who are nurses or doctors that sometimes, you know, there's a little offense taken of like, hey, like, can we meet? Can we like have a date outside? Or, you know, I'm not my roommate isn't comfortable with you coming over. And so just respecting that, I think people on the front lines knowing that like they are valued and they are heroes um, and that if a part, if they have a partner that wants to social distance a little bit more or physical distance a little bit more than usual, um, not taking that personally, knowing that it's not about them, that it's just about the person um, feeling safe during this time. Yeah, absolutely. And boundaries are so important mm-hmm. to set and communicate. Absolutely. Thank you for adding that. Um, Jamal, I wanted to ask you in the midst of COVID-19, people are communicating digitally perhaps more than ever, like we were mentioning. And with that in mind, what are some red flags for digital abuse and how can digital boundaries be kept? Yeah, so digital abuse, just like other forms of abuse, is an attempt to control, you know, partner's actions. So given that your partner may be, you know, digitally abusing he or she, and these are some examples. So, um, well, basically telling someone who you can't be friends with or not on different social media sites, as in Facebook, Instagram, or whatnot, sending negative or insulting or threatening messages online. Um, puts you down in their insult updates, pressures you to send explicit videos or pictures, tracking your location, uh, frequently look through your phone for um, checks of photos, texts, outgoing calls, frequently texting you. Um, That is um, a sign of digital abuse. Uh, Wants to know your login and password information those are different signs of digital abuse, and we see that has, um, you know, been a new thing, especially since phones has been, you know, continuing to update. But now it's more, um, kind of more, you know, uh, in your face than more than ever. And as that, you know, we have to be a lot more cautious to it because people may think, oh, you know, my significant other just really care about me. You know, they just really want to check on me. They just really, you know, they just want to look out for my best interest. However, you must have those, you know, red flags up, you know, in your head, you know, alerting you if someone is, you know, frequently just texting you or frequently, you know, calling you, you know, 10 times in like, two minutes. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag. You know, that's something like, okay, is it that serious of a, you know, time or uh, is is it that serious for you to reach out to me that many times, you know, Mm -hmm. what is going on? You know, are you in dire need? You know, those are the questions you need to be asking yourself because that's not healthy. And some boundaries you can keep if partners create a digital contract um, that outlines, you know, what is and what isn't acceptable um, behavior um, online, well, behaviors online, that is, you know, to turn your phone off um, and spend time with your family with or uh, without your partner getting angry, say no to sexting or sending photos or information digitally to your partner that you're not comfortable with to keep your login pass logins and password private and to grow and to control your own privacy settings and um social network sites and i think that's very um important especially now that since everybody is you know on tiktok or those different things in that nature it is so important to control your privacy and to have your own identity you know it's okay to you know have a different opinion from your partner and express that online, you know, it's okay to have those different things. And you shouldn't always have the same ideas as your partner, you know? So those are some things that we need to, you know, revisit, especially um, during the COVID-19 time. And if you cannot exercise these rights, uh, you know, feel safe doing so, then you should communicate with Harbor House for help as into how we can assist you with these things. If you need a little bit more, you know, want to talk about it deeply, you know, you can definitely reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to assist. I love to piggyback off of that real quick Mm -hmm. um, because I think that during this time, some people might even feel like more pressured to like Mm -hmm. keep it spicy or Mm -hmm. um, like connect more 
And I think abusers can maybe use that, you know, as a manipulation mm-hmm. tool to be like, well, you know, babe, we can't see each other or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, send I just miss you so much, you know, send me a picture to remind you, you know, mm-hmm. of you, whatever. But, um, you know, people just, um, I just want people to know that their boundaries are so important that, you know, this time is not an excuse for them to neglect themselves or violate those boundaries that they have in place. And there's so many other ways to connect with your partner. Like there's an extension on Google Chrome called Netflix Party, um, where people can like watch movies together and chat about the movies. You could have like a virtual date night where you're both maybe like, maybe you both order out from a restaurant. Um, There are so many um, universities that are offering free classes. So you could even take a class together or do like a book club. Um, you know, there's still places that are open for exercise. So taking a hike and remaining like socially distanced. So there are so many ways that they people can connect in like safe and healthy and ways that like honor themselves and their boundaries and who they are. Um, so having that as an alternative, because I also want to validate that some people might like have trouble saying no or like articulating those things. So, um, although no is a complete answer, full sentence, like, but, um, you know, if they also want to add an alternative, like all those other things, and that's a, a valid response as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. I also wanted to check in with you, Catherine. Do you think the stay-at-home orders are limiting people from accessing, you know, appropriate birth control and other methods of safe sex that you were mentioning before? Um, yeah, unfortunately, that is a reality. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure of, like, the direct re- the reason other than people may be stocking up. But I know, like, from last month when Planned Parenthood has been trying to access um, condoms from the health department, they were kind of, like, rationing out condoms. So, like, um, across the nation, there is more of a, a shortage of condoms and um, birth control options. Um, so, um, and then I also think maybe people, again, kind of uh, take – um, the, the stay at home order and the social distancing thing, maybe even to the extreme where they feel like they can't really leave their house, or maybe they even have health conditions that really, um, uh, limit their ability to get out, to go to a health care center or, you know, to go and pick up their prescriptions and, and stuff at a pharmacy. So, um, just, you know, to those people, um, th- there is an option of them calling their health center and getting their prescriptions um, sent directly to a pharmacy where they can go through a drive-through and pick it up. Um, some um, health insurance agencies, as well as um, healthcare centers, can, um, there might be an option to mail it directly to your home. Um, and then when they um, are, you know, stocking up on things to to you know get an ample supply of condoms and um, other um, safe sex um, materials. Because, yeah, it's, it's I don't know, I, I feel bad comparing it to toilet paper, but there definitely is a shortage during this time. That's just the reality. Yeah. Thank you so much for shedding light on that. Um, yeah. Sounds like there's like some challenges, but I know Planned Parenthood can maybe assist with that or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also, um, yeah, we, we definitely have condoms in our health center still. Uh, just because there's a shortage doesn't mean that there is, you know, none. But um, I know there is kind of like a rationing versus if someone, you know, they would if, you know, before this time, if someone came to our health center, they could just, you know, take the whole, you know, can of condoms versus now we kind of have to be considerate and of other people and how many people are coming in. Um, And then I didn't mention this before, but I think this is also um, something new that's happening, especially with like young adults. But there um, I've heard of coronavirus parties. So um, as we know from like looking at the news, like some people, you know, regardless of there being, you know, uh, beaches being closed down or like most areas being shut off, like people are still kind of like, I don't know, have the invincibility complex where they feel like they won't really be affected by this. So um, there, there was, I, I won't name names, but there um, have been uh, different um, facilities that have like told me about like, 
you know, youth engaging in these coronavirus parties where they're having parties, they're all together, kind of like hurricane parties, um, which, you know, pose less of a risk. But in the, in this time, coronavirus, like, it's not safe to be that close to people at a party. Um, okay. So um, that's also something else to consider because um, people might be, in, you know, having parties, they might be engaging in um, unsafe sex um, more frequently because, there, there is like an invincibility um, uh, complex where they think they're not really going to be as affected. Yeah, that's a really good point. I know that that can definitely happen for people who are going through a pandemic. There, there's everyone reacts to mm-hmm. you know the stressful situation differently. Yeah, um, and that's important to acknowledge as well. Well, it's okay to have Zoom parties. I've had a, I've had a lot of fun with them. So. <laughs> Please stay at home if you can. Um, I understand a lot of people want to get out. I mean, so do I. But I mean, at the end of the day, we have to be, you know, understanding and, you know, our safety and our health um, because we're not just coming home to ourselves. We're coming home to other people. Right. And we have to understand that, you know, we may not get it all. We can get it, but we can give it to other people that can, you know, eventually have, you know, more life-threatening um, issues than we do. So please practice yeah. those orders if you can. Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think you both kind of mentioned other options of, you know, that those really fun Netflix parties as well. Mm-hmm. Different ways that you can connect with people definitely during this time. Um, as a kind of final question to you, Jamal, I wanted to ask, with these stay-at-home orders affecting people's daily routines and relationships, do you have any tips or how to keep relationships healthy during this time? Yeah, um, I guess my tip would be for healthy relationships during the stay-at-home order is to have fun, you know, with each other. You know, I mean, it's a difficult time. We all are stressed out during this time. And if you are continuing working or if you're not, you know, it's going to be very difficult for everyone. So try to make the best of it. You know, create games, exercise, to co- discover new hobbies, you know, give each other space as well. That's also as important. <laughs> but, you know, have fun. Me and my fiance, she's been with me throughout this entire time. And yes, I have been going to work and coming home. But when I come home, we have fun with each other. We, you know, exercise with each other every day. We, you know, she's, you know, in the Mr. Bar Prep. So I give her her time, her space while I have my own space. But we, you know, find different and unique ways to have fun. We create different smoothies. That's our <laughs> thing right now. Uh, so we just go get different, you know, fruits and create different smoothies and different things in our nature. But you have to find innovative ways to have fun. Because if you're just sitting at home and stressed out, positive things won't come to your mind during those times. So try to think positively, try to get yourself out of this, you know, mindset that everything is gone to shame or to waste, make the best of your situation. I also um, would like to say, you know, this is a difficult time for everyone and um, that brings, you know, unwedded stress. However, we must remember uh, that, you that basically we will beat this we will all beat this we will all overcome this and your relationship with will withstand this stronger and will become healthier after it i mean i believe this has this time has made me and my fiance relationship even stronger you know if we were have been apart during this time so i mean Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we all will get through this and our relationships will be stronger after this. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jamal. Um, definitely. And, and I loved your, um, you know, smoothie talk and all that stuff. Yeah. I think, I think self-care, you know, within a relationship mm-hmm. and individually as well is so individualized and, you know, trying mm-hmm. to find exactly what that thing is, um, is really, you know, a great thing. So absolutely. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. Um, Catherine, um, as a kind of final question for you, what are some challenges of digital dating now? And what are some digital boundaries that we kind of were touching on a little bit? But if you want to add anything else. Um, I think that um, in terms of boundaries, people keeping the original boundaries they had before this and not feeling um, a temptation to compromise um, in order to like fill a void or get attention or to feel validated. 
Um, I think it's important that um, we not isolate. So um, making sure that people who um, are dating during this time still be connected with um, their friends and their family. So they're not looking to one person to like fill everything for them and then getting sucked into that loophole of like, you know, doing things they don't want to do because they feel like they need it from that one particular person. Um, And then I think it's a really good boundary to, you know, have no recording and no like, you know, unsolicited um, pictures because with Zoom, you know, people can screenshot and all of that. And so just having that like boundary and that agreement that we're not going to record or take pictures like, you know, without the other person knowing. Um, And then um, when it comes to sexting, um, especially for like younger people, um, I think it's important for, you know, um, teens to know that it is illegal and that if if they um, send pictures of themselves or another teen has a picture of them, um, it, you know, it's against the law. So, so knowing about that and just keeping informed and being able even to say that as a response to another teen that solicits that from them is, is super important. Um, and yeah, I just want you to want to follow on the positive train with Jamal. Like yes. this, this is a time to, to be like innovative and creative. And so, um, just because this coronavirus is going on, it doesn't mean that life stops for people. Like people are still going to want to have sex. People are still going to want to date. They're still going to want to connect with others. So um, just not betraying your own boundaries and um, finding, you know, like all of the resources we talked about in terms of like, you know, having the movie nights, the date nights. Um, I know Zoom has different um, features where you could like draw things. So maybe yes. you could have an art night. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah, so there, there's so many different ways. So um, not feeling like the pressure of, oh, I shouldn't be dating because I should be, you know, I don't know, doing something else or I, I should be dating because who knows, you know, what's going to happen. Like just do do you and do what you feel most comfortable with and what you feel like is best for you. Um, but find ways to connect with people and not just like isolate. Love that. Love the positivity. Thank you both so much. And before we sign off here, is there anything else that you'd like to add or anything? Um, Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be able to, you know, share these tips and let, you know, um, Orlando, Central Florida, you know, Florida knows that, you know, we're out here, you know, on the front lines and, you know, we're still out here educating and doing our job that is needed. So um, thank you for giving us that platform to be able to um, let people know that we're still out here and we're not going anywhere (laughs) and we're spreading positivity everywhere so that, you know, you can feel okay and not feel alone during this time because I understand people sometimes do feel alone, but um, we're here for you and we're here to keep you going. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much. Um, And I will share in the, you know, information at the bottom when when I share uh, the podcast in the description, I'll share both um, Planned Parenthood's uh, details, contact details, as well as Harbor House as well. So people know who they can reach out to. Um, But I think that's a wonderful place to sign off. So I'm just going to say, you know, thank you to the listeners for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. Again, the VSE is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for victims of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org. And to everyone listening, healing is not linear and you are not alone. Uh, Thank you, Jamal and Catherine, so much for being here today. Thank you. Have a great day. You got to have a good one. Be safe.